all my friends, we're in the studio. We're in the studio live for another episode of the Modeling Podcast. I'm your host, Alec Hansen. This is going to be a blast. We're on season three. We're on stories. We're talking about things that inspire us, change us, give us perspective because your job is hard. Being in mortgage sales is hard. Being 100% commissioned is hard. What you do is hard. But let's unpack with some stories. I'm going to bring on a repeat guest, Kevin Sturdivant. Now, I met this guy because he's literally like a street hustler, which I loved about him. He's also crushing it in the real estate game, crushing it in the personal branding game. Absolutely somebody that I respect. Worked with him professionally, too, and under, and got to understand his team and how he works as a, as a unit and was absolutely blown away and impressed. And so we're going to talk about some real stories today. You guys ready for the heat? We're going to bring the heat. Let's buckle up for season three. Here we go. Let's go, bro. Let's in the studio. Go, this is so nice. This is so nice to be back and hang yes, out. Yes, man. Absolutely. I, I mean, Zooms are great, but this is, it's fun to hang out in yes, person, man. You absolutely. didn't you didn't bring me a coffee, though, so I'm a little upset yeah, about man. this <laughs> delicious coffee drink you have. It's pretty good. Um, we're going to talk about stories today, Kevin. And you've done tremendous things in your career that has blown me away. Just Thank watching you, you um, ascend and do what you do. And so the first thing that I have to ask to kind of set the whole story tone is, is how'd you get into real estate? What's the story? What happened? I would say the start of getting into real estate for me was as, as kind of interesting as that sounds is really skateboarding. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, that's yeah. natural. <laughs> and why I say skateboarding is because skateboarding had me look at architecture Right. Why? Because as uh, a street skater, I wasn't into skating transition. I was into skating street. Yeah. You look at um, the landscape of architecture. You look for banks. You look for um, flat surfaces and you also learn how to understand neighborhoods. Yeah. So that is really where I first started to develop a passion for real estate was yeah. by um, looking at architecture subconsciously, I didn't know that I was looking at architecture. And then on top of that, that's where I got my initial training for, uh, sales. You know, I, uh, I grew up on welfare. My dad went to prison when I was really young and, you know, single mom, I'm the oldest of three. And so I had to learn how to hustle and eat, you know, um, I bounced around a lot of different schools. And so if I wanted the shoes, if I wanted the you know, the gear, I've always been into, into gear, into fashion, into um, nice things. Yeah. I couldn't get that from, from, uh, from home. I had to go out and find a way. So I would, I had sponsors as a, at an early age, shoe sponsors, board sponsors. I would take what I needed and I would sell the rest. So my wife will tell you, we met in eighth grade. Um, at the end of school, I would have a backpack full of shirts stickers, bearings, wheels. And so skateboarding really taught me everything that I think I needed to know to sell real estate. Bro, that's, <laughs> I don't see many people that translate skateboarding yeah. into real estate. Uh, and you have to learn and you have to know how to fall on your face 
over and over and over and over and you subconsciously develop the understanding that the key to success is failure, that that is how I win. That is how I um, succeed is by screwing up over and over and over and over and over. And that's the only way nobody could do it for you. Well, let me ask how this translates then, because some of the stuff that I'm very impressed with you um, and we'll get into social media and because and, and, I think there's fun stories there, but you're not afraid to put yourself out there. We were just talking before we went live about door knocking. Yeah. And as somebody who has massive fear of rejection, terrified insecurities from growing up and all that stuff, walking in to meet a realtor was terrifying to yeah. me. But how did you, how do you get over that? Or how did you make the, what was, what was the transformative moment where you're like, no, no, this is, this is what I do. Cause there's people today that can't do it, can't handle it. Yeah. I think it's your, your, your inspiration and your passion and your goal has to be greater than the fear. Yeah. It has to be a bigger driver than the fear. If your fear is greater then you're going to live in fear. If your passion is greater, if your purpose is greater, if you're, your your vision is greater, yeah. you will freaking blast through whatever that fear is. So that's the first thing. But on top of that, it's a it's a skill set, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, the idea of being a top producing real estate agent, a luxury agent, a million dollar agent sounds great, but do you have the skills to back it up? Yeah. I want to be a stand-up comedian. Yeah, the idea of that sounds amazing to make a bunch of people, thousands of people laugh. Do I have game as a stand-up comedian? Yeah. I'm kind of funny, but unless <laughs> I go through the motions and learn the real art of comedy, it ain't happening. Yeah. So I think it was it was a dedication to the craft of selling. I really started to uh, when I first got into I mean, I've been selling literally since I was like 12, 13 years old. Yeah. But when I got my first sales job, it was like it all started to click. Uh, um, and I started to like think about it like this. I'm 13 years old. My dad gets out of jail and he starts to manage what back in the day was called family fitness, which I think later became um, 24 hour fitness. Yeah, I think so. Know? And so my dad was managing a, uh, a floor of salespeople mm -hmm. and he paid me $100 to memorize Alec Baldwin's scene in Glenn Gary Bro. Glenn Ross as a yes. 13, you know what I mean? Well, it's one of the greatest, most iconic scenes yeah, for salespeople of all time. Closing. And so these things were rooted in me from my dad. Um, and my mom was also an amazing salesperson. Yeah. You know, so when I kind of got my first taste of a real sales job, yeah, I realized that there's a real craft to this thing, like objection handling, um, the art of rapport, yeah. um, understanding the sales process. When you develop the skills, that's how you have confidence. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, door knocking is going to be scary or, yeah. or any type of sales is going to be scary if you don't know what to do. But if you learn the process and you dedicate yourself to the discipline of the craft, you can go anywhere. There's a lot of freedom in being a skilled closer. That's fact, bro. Right? That's just the truth. So that's where um, I can overcome that fear because I know that if I go out and prospect, you can drop me anywhere in America where people speak English. <laughs> and just as a test, I'll battle anybody. 
see who can get us see who could get a a, a a seller lead first anywhere and um <laughs> i'll bet on myself why because i have dedicated two decades to this day i role play three or four days a week till this day that's rad so that's, that's, um, that's just art of the craft man that's, that's it. dedicated to the craft if you if you have fear it's from ignorance if you want confidence that comes from knowledge how do you develop that knowledge practice dedicate yourself to the skill set whatever that skill is i got a lot of fear in the kitchen if my wife wanted me to make dinner for <laughs> the, the truth, this is the truth coming out right come now. on <laughs> come on no all right so and the theme of this series of this season for for my podcast and thank you for coming on again yeah man thanks um, for having me you know I, I love the concept of stories i come from a family of storytellers you know my dad just when you get around a table the stories start flowing that's awesome and some of them may not be true um, but there's truth in all of them you know <laughs> if you know what i mean if, if you're around storytellers you know like it, it's it, there, there might be embellishment but it doesn't mean yeah. it's not true um so one of the questions i like to ask is what's a story and an experience in your life that was transformative or formative for you and i want to i want to kind of put something cards on the table um that could be a lot radically different things for yeah. a lot of people uh, i don't think we have one that defines us mm -hmm. um, but i think that as humans we look back and we go hey yeah this happened and maybe someone can learn something from it take something from it be inspired by it be yeah. motivated by it and that's kind of the theme of, of this whole season is just sharing those stories um, because before we had the internet and phones and all this craziness yeah. we told stories right so share one and and let's let's go down that path so 18 years old or 30 years old Ooh, where to start yeah i, I feel like we got to start at 18 because 18 defined like the 31 maybe wouldn't yeah. have happened if the 18 didn't no, happen. that's for sure that's for that's 1000 percent for sure so um i got sent to cincinnati ohio um that's where i started my my senior year of high school excuse me my my freshman year of high school and um when we left to Ohio to live with my dad, we were on welfare, right? When we moved back home, my mom had bought a home. She, we'd never, she'd never owned a home before. She'd bought a home in Costa Mesa. She was driving a, a Land Rover Discovery, you know, Solid. like what? She was making six figures. It yeah. was like a total culture shock yeah. to what, what I welfare left. to this yeah. yeah and so what had happened is she got a job at a motivational real estate company yeah. um selling motivational seminars I was really happy for her but I was still kind of the troublemaker I had always been and um you know it's it's my junior year of high school and I'm just kind of going off I'm skating a little bit I'm DJing a little bit no real purpose just being a 17 year old yeah and um in one week, I got um, three three things occurred. Uh, one, I'd missed so much school. I was getting kicked out of high school. Okay. Uh, two, a Not close idea. friend of mine uh, OD'd and um, passed away. And three, um, a friend of mine told me that I was uh, going to be a father. Right? Like, Jeez. yeah. And one time, kids, those are parents out there with teenagers, tell your kids it, it can be one time. So, um, that, I'm, a highly, productive, I'm a highly productive person. Yeah, yeah, but those are three major yeah. life and experiences. At that moment, you know, I looked at 
the things my dad had taught me, even though he went to prison as at, at, at an early age, I was maybe five or six when that happened. He never like said that that's who he was. That was a situation Didn't that define happened. him. He would write these letters to me and tell me like, Hey, don't think that like it's over <laughs> for me in here. Like I'm learning, I'm getting healthy, you know? And when he got out, he did his best to uh, make a new life for himself. Yeah. And so I'm, the the um product of you know not only of course i'm, I'm a child of god I've, i'm a christian i i know that um the lord is is looking over my life but i'm also the product of two incredible parents you know my dad is he passed away but my mom you know they both taught me and did their best to show me that there's something else out there for me at the same time at 17 years old i'm still learning by default. Yeah. <laughs> and so I get this news. And at that point, I had to make a decision of like, am I going to go down this path? Yeah. With like my friend who just passed? Or am I going to go down this path? And I think probably two weeks after I get that news, I'm at a Tony Robbins. Okay. Firewalk. No way. Yeah. Like, like, that's amazing. I'm making calls left and my mom doesn't even know. And I'm just like, before I tell her, I better figure some things out. Yeah. And um, long story short, becoming a father, you know, I dropped out of high school entirely. I never spent one day of even my senior year. Um, I had already been through 17 different schools. Yeah, jeez. I went to six high schools in three years. <laughs> like, I was a crazy kid, you know. So when I had my own child to look after, I had to figure this out. Yeah. And so... Um, that was story number one. That is the start of it is realizing that this life is not about me anymore. And when I held my son for the first time, I was 18 years old. It was in the year 2000. It was like, I got to make something happen here. And so he was my number one driver to really, uh, get my act together. Yeah. Yeah. He's the E in case. Yes. I knew yeah, that, but I don't so, think everyone else knows that. It's pretty yeah, cool. Yeah. Okay, so that's the first thing. So what? What's the thirty year? What eighteen now? Now you're so you 30. figure at thirty years old. I've now been in real estate for about a decade. Yeah. So I got a job at the same place that my mom worked yeah. for. She didn't even know I went to the sales manager. Oh really? Um, my mom had been paying me while I was in high school under the table to cold call real estate agents and sell them these seminars. Nice. And she was paying me like ten bucks when the sale. Child labor, bro. Dude, my mom <laughs> was taking you down, me dude. Off. <laughs> So I started to find out. And so I knew all the scripts. Yeah. So I went to the sales manager. His name was Steve. And we were buddies. And I'm like, look, man, I'm about to have a kid. He's like, what? I'm like, I need a job. I know these scripts. I can sell. Let's go. And uh, he's like, what about school? I'm like, I'm done. You know, he didn't yeah. ask me if I graduated. So um, I started working at this place in what would have been um, my senior year of high school. Yep. So. I, I start selling real estate three or four years later, but I never really broke through, man, to be honest. Like I had yeah. game, but I, I, I did enough just to survive. Yep. You know, I come from a training of real estate people where it's like sell 300 homes a year. Yeah. That was the, 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 this, that was the product that I was selling yeah. when I went to these seminars. So I'm selling the homes that I lived in, like, you look me up on the MLS 2004 to 2007 my average sales price is like 450,000. Yeah. Um and I just wasn't inspired. Mm. 
And so fast forward to the 30 year moment and um, you figure that's the year 2012. Yeah. We didn't know that 2012 things were about to shift. Nope. Um, in June 2011, while well, officially um, Memorial Day 2011, my, my best friend in the world, who's like a brother to me, passes away. And that really put me into a very deep um, downward spiral. Yeah. I didn't sell a single home from June to December. And I had three kids at this point. Right. So um, in January 2012, I'm and this is that moment. This is that I'm about to be 30. I'm at a funeral and uh, I see my name on these funeral papers. And um, I'm at my dad's funeral and we have the same name. That's so wild. Just to see your own name. It, and he was 50. Yeah. And I'm looking at my life. And I feel like that was the moment that um, I went from this very, very deep, dark depression from my best friend passing to I got to break through. I have to break through. Yeah. And um, figure the only million dollar home I ever sold was in 2009. 2010, 2011, nothing. And I just said, I got on the phone with my mentor, Thatch, and I'm like, look, I'm either going to leave this business and do something else, yeah. or I'm going to create a real estate company, a real estate vision, a real estate business that I am absolutely in love with. Yeah. And through that vision, um, you see, because Thatch asked me a question that I think is important for people to ask themselves. Because it's so easy, especially if you're in sales, you probably got into sales because something else bombed many times. <laughs> and so why are you in sales <coughs> to survive? Yeah, you're not in sales. You know, maybe you're motivated by some other people and some other cars sure. or whatever. But for the most part, at least for me, I was in real estate out of survival. I wasn't like really inspired about it. I wanted to do fashion or I wanted to be like the next yeah. Tony Robbins. Yeah. Right. And so Thatch asked me, and this is the question I think we could all ask ourselves is if you could have it anyway, what does it look like? If you could have it anyway, what does your business look like? What does your family look like? Mm -hmm. What does your house look like? Mm -hmm. What does your health look like? Yep. What does your relationship with God look <clears throat> like? Right? Like, what does it look like? And we have to take a step back and realize that we are the producer for our life's movie. We have to write the script. And so my dad had just passed and literally January 2012, I wrote out a vision of what the ultimate dream business had looked like. And one of the first things just as a, on a small level was I want to sell homes that are mid-century modern, contemporary. Yeah. Um, I want to be able to be myself. Yeah. I don't feel like wearing a suit and tie every day. Nothing wrong with that, but yeah, definitely what? not the kind of suits I was wearing. <laughs> you know, if I'm going to if, if I'm going to be in this, I want to do it authentically. Yeah. And I want to serve my community, which is like skaters and the streetwear industry. Yeah. And I wanted there to be a feeling of um, personal development on it. Mm. I wanted it to be a real estate and personal development company. And the vision for Case was born. My buddy, um, Tim Kruger, was in the business with me at that time. That's my friend who I was raising money for oh, yeah. six months ago who was yeah. battling cancer. Yeah. Shout out to my dude, Tim. We had a game. All right, dude. I love your vision. This sounds great. Uh, let's see who could sell a $2 million home first. Yeah. That was such a big deal at that time. Probably two weeks after I 
kind of write out this vision. I get a call from a buddy of mine who owns a company called Diamond Supply Co. Yeah. Like the definition of the dream client yeah. <laughs> form of this new vision, yes. right? And he's like, Kev, 2011 was crazy for my business. Uh, first of all, I'd love to sit down with you and kind of like talk over my goals and blah, yeah. blah, blah. I'm like, oh, cool. But at the same time, I think I could qualify to buy a house. And I was like, is he going to say two? They were on 1.5. I'm like, all right, I'll take it. Yeah, I'll take it. We start looking at homes. We're talking goals. It's like the perfect blend of exactly what I had envisioned. Because yep. he also wanted something mid-century, modern, contemporary. Right in your lane, yep. Two weeks into the home search, she gets a call. And he's like, hey, so it turns out I could buy up to 2.5. And then February 2012, um, I do my first deal for a 2.5 million in Studio City on Woodhill Canyon. And um, he was, Instagram was just popping off. Yeah. And I remember the night of our, like he has like probably a million followers now. The night of our uh, celebrating the closing of his house, he got his K for hitting 10,000. Really? Like if you look, look look up Nikki Diamonds now, I don't know how many followers he has, but that was a big deal. Because Instagram just started the, like the year before. Yeah. I had maybe 300 followers. He posts thanks at Kevion, and my Insta just starts to go off. And that's when I also realized like Instagram is going to be the number one tool that I use to let people know that I'm in real estate. So multiple things happened in the first 90 days of 2012. Dude, that's a wild year. Yeah, that yep. was the start. That was the first year where it was like, because you, you, you figure I was ready to leave the business at the end of 2011. Yep. I sold four homes in 2011. Average sales price, 550000 So we got to talk about brand, um, personal brand, social media. Um, it's kind of my thing. It's, yeah. it, it's something I'm passionate about and uh, something I really respect that you do really well. And so a couple of questions wrapped in hopefully a story Yeah, is, you know, um, Social's got dark sides to it. Social's got other things to it. Um, sometimes there's there's vanity, you know, metrics and people want to be followed and it yeah. creates this kind of weird, fake, almost right. reality. Especially uh, in real estate. Oh my God. Well, I, and lending. I mean, man, okay. if I see any more hustle porn from people, I'm just like, <laughs> stop it. Like, you don't yeah. do it anymore. So, but I got to ask some questions on it. So um, you went all in on it. I can tell. Mm -hmm. You do a great job with it. You, you, what happened? I mean, how did you, How'd you deal with it? Um, and, and what I mean by that, because I want you to unpack this a little bit, is people are still, um, they don't want to showcase their stuff. They don't want, yeah. they don't feel comfortable. Um, they get, they feel like they're fake, faking right. it. You know, so walk people through kind of your, your journey on this. Well, even when that thing happened with Nick, I don't think I realized how, like, especially at this point, there's not videos. Like when I started doing yeah, Insta, pictures. there's no videos and there's no DMing. Yep. This is 2012. Yeah. So even in the beginning, if you scroll thousands of photos back, because I don't know how many posts I've done now, probably 3,000 or something, um, it, it started off as just fun. Yeah. You know, it was like, wow, everybody could be a photographer mm -hmm. with the filters. So it didn't start off right out of the gate like, I'm going to use this thing mm. to blow up my business. Yeah. It was like, if you scroll way back, it is more of my kids. And yeah. more at some hip hop show, yeah. and more at stuff like that. Yeah. So, um, it it was very like grassroots, um, and so you know, and then next thing you know, you get video, and mm -hmm. then you have the DM options, and then next thing you know, you can actually boost things. Yeah. Um, but 
you know, at the end of the day, man, really, I think the challenge with with a lot of people, even in the industry, is they think that the at that social media is is the cake. Yeah, good comment. And in my opinion, like Instagram is, is not the cake; it's the icing. You know, if you don't have a real business, if you don't have real transactions, if you don't have a real story, then you're you're just all icing and and no cake. You know, so I would encourage you to figure out like, what is your business? And don't try so hard. Yeah. Like, what is that product that you have? Because here's the deal. If you have a great product, you're going to shine. You're going to succeed in business no matter what. I feel like there's such a drive just to just to succeed on Instagram. Like, Absolutely. No. So what is like succeeding on Instagram is not necessarily going to put food on the table. Yeah. You know, so you have a lot of likes or you have a lot of views or you have a lot of followers, but is that translating? <coughs> is that impacting? Mm -hmm. What is that doing? So, yeah, it, it was really grassroots. It was like really by default for me of just like continuing to do it and genuinely enjoying it. I talked to a lot of people and they're like, I just don't, I don't, I, I don't know what to do. Like, I don't, I don't like it. Sure. I yeah, like, a lot of people I, I like using it. You know, I like the, um, I don't know. I like messing around with with the uh, ability to share things. And, and I think one of the things that's important to remember is that it is a visual um, yeah, no doubt. platform, you know, so you the goal is to make things look awesome. Well, let me ask you this. Um, a lot of people, I think, to your point, misunderstand the platform. Yeah. Um, but how do you choose how to show up on it for yourself? Because I, I feel like you do it very naturally, maybe mm -hmm. more, maybe organically. So maybe this question will have to dig, you have to dig down a little bit. But like, there are people who I can tell they're putting on a face. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The, 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 like, yeah, I'm like, that's not, really, that's not even guy. you, dude. Like, that's not you. Yeah. Like, I, I've seen you. Right. But like, your stuff comes across very authentic yeah. and true to yourself. So how do you choose? How do you find that? Well, I think the first thing is knowing who, who are you? <laughs> well, like, like, come on. Let's start with an easy question. Right. Like. <laughs> Who are you? What are you all about? Yeah. So I'm about inspiration, education, right? So my intention on my Insta, my my slogan is inspired to move, right? Yeah. Our other slogan is um, now it's a recent one is it's um, less corporate, more connected. Yeah. Right. So it starts with like, what is your message? And my message is simply I want to inspire people and I want to educate people and occasionally make some people laugh. Yeah, you do some funny stuff. You know, so that sports commentating one yeah, that was hysterical, that was bro. Good. That was a lot of fun. <clears throat> um, but that's that that's I think it's first figuring out like what is your purpose? What mm. is your intention? If your intention is just to kind of like blow up and be famous, yeah. Um, good luck. I don't know, that might happen, yeah, but it's going to be really noticeable. Yeah, you know. Um, I've never bought followers, I've never done anything like that. Um, I just, I share authentically what, what I'm into. And as long as it's in that same line of, uh, of inspiration and education and motivation, then that fits. So I think that's the first thing is like, what is your message? Yeah. Yeah. All right. I know there's a good story here, so I want to ask it and I want to go down the rabbit hole for a minute. Mm -hmm. Um, you, you, you launch your own gig. Yeah. It's incredible. Very few people have the courage to, to step out. Yeah. And, and so, you know, and, and then, and then, you know, we had this weird thing 
like this pandemic that mm -hmm. happened. <laughs> yeah. So what was the timing of this whole thing? Right in the middle of it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we had been, we had, we had been operating as an independent brokerage for probably two years or, or already. Like the company that I worked for before at its core has an amazing soul. But locally, it was an absolute mess. Yeah, you didn't align with it. I, I no. understood. Um, and so, you know, we had our own office. We had our own locations. We did our own training. We did our own recruiting. We had a director of operations. So it was just, you reach a point and it's like, okay, I'm paying this place um, yeah. 300 grand a year. Yeah. What doesn't make any sense anymore. And so... Um, we decided to go for it and and start going through the motions. Yep. And it took some time. Um, shout out to Francis, my <laughs> my sister Francis. If it wasn't for her, I, I don't think any of it would have happened. Yeah. Um, and then you have to have a broker. Yeah. So, you know, I thing. know how long it took me to pass the real estate <laughs> test. I'm like, somebody else has has got to be this person. <laughs> so um it it happens <laughs> November 2019. There you Woo! go. Let's do this. All right, let's go big then. We're building a brand here. Let's get a location. Perfect. Newport Boulevard. My wife finds a location. Really cool spot. 3,000 square feet, 100,000 cars a day. The place was a wreck, but we got three months to hook it up. Yep. Cool. Let's do work. You know, spent a good six figures something fixing the place up and yep. having it really be about our brand. Yeah. Oh, and then right in the middle of construction, which was March, I remember like, the place was being totally ripped apart. And I had a lot of friends. You you remember first quarter 2020. I had a lot of friends that were like, hey, something's coming. Yeah. I just don't get in the mix. Yeah. I don't. I'm so focused on my goals. I'm not paying attention to this stuff. And I had friends who were like, dude, go get some toilet paper. I'm like, what are you guys talking about? And then I remember, Bro, March, I remember that March 17th. Yep. My wife is like, hey, you got to get Kaizen um, and Azella from school and make sure to get all their stuff. We're going to go on lockdown. And for how long? Like two weeks. Two weeks. We're right in the middle of construction. We're supposed to have our grand opening April 1st. Bro, what are you going to do? We uh, we didn't stop. That's for one thing. Like. For me, I know what it's like to operate um as a parent without okay. electricity sorry i was checking on lighting go for it you know what i mean for me like i know what it's like to operate a business as a parent in a home without electricity yeah like think about that for a second no nobody knows I'm how to do that trying this is in 2008 <clears throat> yeah and i was going through seasons where i couldn't pay my bills yeah and my electricity would get shut off this is, I left real estate for uh, about 18 months mm. from 2007 to 2008 to try to start a uh, motivational nice training company. Sure. Imagine trying to start a motivational training company from your home and your electricity gets shut off. Yeah. That means there's nowhere else you could go. <laughs> no, and you have to work your way out. Yeah. So I know what that's like. So when this happens, I immediately go into my survival mechanisms, yeah. which are, let's go. Oh my let's gosh, do bro. what we can with what we've got. Like, unless I die, you're not going to stop me. You know what I mean? I'm the guy who in 2015, when I broke my leg, 
two weeks later, I'm going on listing appointments in a three-piece suit on a scooter. Like, I'm not going to be stopped. And so the pandemic hits, and I'm like, all right, guys, I'll see you all on Zoom every single day. I was one of the most active real estate company owners through the pandemic, hands down. I'm leading a Zoom call, uplifting my team, yeah. coaching my, key, my team every single day, telling them, do not stop making the contacts. Continue making your 20, 30, 40 contacts a day. But here's the difference. Mm -hmm. Don't talk real estate. Call people and see how they're doing. Really? Call people and see if there's anything that we could do. <laughs> Smart, bro. Because we are essential workers. Smart. They might not be able to leave their house. They might be afraid of going out of the house. Drop people off things. Pick up the phone. Now is the time to show who you truly are. When you get squeezed, you see what's inside of you. Yeah. And inside of me is passion. Inside of me is an unstoppable drive to succeed and break through. And nothing's going to stop that. Dude, I feel like COVID was defining for people and yeah. their careers and their businesses. And so it, it, I, I, I watched Case and you come through this yeah. and you're, you, you radically became different. Yeah. Well, I mean, I would almost say you radically became more true to who you guys are yeah. as a culture. Yeah, we did. We did, man. We got really clear on like, you know, I think COVID had a lot to do with it. It, it kind of really made you think like, what's important? Yeah. You know, I let go of some people, like big people. Why? <clears throat> because you, you realize in these times when you're squeezed of like, how do you want to spend your time? Yeah. And just because somebody's making you money, well, are they bringing anything else to the table? Do they fit on a, on a, on a cultural level? Yeah. Are you holding them back because they don't? Totally. And if you really care about somebody, you're not going to hold this person back. You're actually going to be okay with the money you might lose. Yeah. You know, and so we had to make a lot of decisions for the sake of the brand. Well, let's share that story for a minute because there's leaders that listen to this. Yeah. And and this is a really impactful thing. You know, culture, defending culture, yeah. um, building it, holding it preciously um, is something that people get, they lose sight of that when there's money on the line. Right. Money distorts it. You're like, ah, and, and so let's talk about top performers, culture, toxicity in the workplace. You know, how did you manage that? What'd you deal with? How, how'd you deal with it? It's definitely the hardest thing I've had to deal with, without a doubt, um, because I would say the number one biggest reason why is because of how much I care and how much I've poured into people. We're talking about individuals who came to me many times. Um, we had to write letters for them just to be licensed because of their path. Mm. Like people who worked at very random places. Like I don't want to say any certain places. Yeah, but we get it. Dude. You we know, can, we can people who, draw conclusions. who literally started at the very, very bottom and we looked out for them and they shot me a DM or they reached out and they made the call and we poured everything we had into them. And, um, it's a lot different than a regular brokerage. When you're bringing somebody into your home, when you're loaning them money, when you're loaning them a yeah. car, and 18 months later, they're making 250 a year, 350 a year, 550 Game, a year. Life-changing. Talking about somebody that was making $10 an hour, yep. who is now making $750,000 a year. And all of a sudden, the energy goes from appreciation to expectation. Entitlement's a dangerous thing, and man. So-and-so company is going to do this for me. And, and all of a sudden you know, they're kicking their feet up with their shoes off in the middle of a place that you call your home vaping. And you're like, vaping. 
Nothing against anybody that's vaping, but I you feel realize you paint the picture, dude. That's you realize, damn, I think this individual needs to find a new home. And it's hard. It's really difficult. Not even because of the money, because to me, what I actually receive from the brokerage is less than 10% of my income. It's we treat everybody like family. Yep. And if that energy is not going to be reciprocated, yep. and you're just at case for money. It's not a place for you. And so I think you just have to have the guts to say and know what your values are. And you you can't let one person, as soon as one person starts it, that is a cancer. Yes. Yep. I have, It'll spread, man. I have zero tolerance. I don't care right. if you are a 300 mil a yep. year producer. That energy to me and creating this tribe called Case and 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 really wanting to create a brokerage that truly felt like family where people look out for each other. If that's not what you're about and you just want to come up in here and and feed off of mm -hmm. the, you know, and take from the table. Yeah, nah, it's not the right place for you. There's lots of other brokerages that you can just pull from and not pour back into. So. You've hit some levels of success that are pretty cool. You've done some cool stuff. I know you're proud of it. You should be proud of it. You, you've done a really, really great job. Um, from a crazy past. Yeah. Um, so I kind of want to, I kind of want to ask though, how do you not lose focus of the basics, you know, or, or what keeps you grounded in doing what always works yeah. versus thinking. So we were talking about entitlement. Right. And, and this is where my head goes. I've seen people who kill it, especially in good markets. Right. And then all of a sudden their shit doesn't stink. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm amazing. Yeah. Like, look, look at, look at my bit. Look how much I do. Right. And I'm like, bro, you're, so, so how do you stay grounded in, in that thought process? How do you keep your team grounded? What, what are the core practices you, you stay on no matter what? Because you know that they deliver results. Right. Share some of that stuff. So to me, real estate is two things. It's prospecting and it's appointments. That's it. Plain and simple. It's prospecting and it's appointments. And case, there's four main pillars. Vision, structure, skills, and most importantly, accountability. Those are the four key pillars of case vision. What's your vision? Can you see it? Can you feel it? Can you taste it? You have an understanding of the seven equities. The seven equities is one of the number one things that I coach my team on my whole company. Seven equities are your mind, body, and soul first, then your family, then your friends, then comes business and money. I want you to ball out mentally, physically, spiritually. I want you to have relationships with your family that are true and real and sincere. Yep. I want you to have true connections with your friends. Because when you have that, when you're whole and complete in those first five, mind, body, soul, family, and friends, you show up to work and you don't need money. Yeah, you're, so, you're on fire. Because you don't yeah. need money, it's so much easier <clears throat> to attract yeah. it. So love that. next is structure. Um, and structure is just another word for time management. If it's not in your schedule, it doesn't exist. Yep. If you give yourself all day long to do something, it's going to take you all day long to get it done. Next is skills. Do you have the ability to connect? on a rapport level to handle objections, you have mm -hmm. game. But then the big one is accountability. So the accountability that I gain, games that I play with my team are usually about prospecting. I've seen some of these things, they're hysterical. Week after week after week, we play these games. Yep. And the thing is, I do this stuff. Yeah, no, you're I in the meat. came back yeah. from door knocking in a guard gated neighborhood just right now. <laughs> I hope you, you were gonna mention that, bro, because I love that shit, I love you it. you called me yesterday, I was about to knock. I can't wait. Why? Because look, we're about to get this TV show supposedly. And I promise you, my phone's going to be going off the hook. Guess what? I still will be doing door knocking, 
prospecting, making my calls. The question is why though? That's right. Do I need it? I'll tell you why. It's because I love it. Plain and simple. I love it. When I don't prospect, I feel anxious. I feel like I'm not doing anything. I could double end a hundred million dollar home and get some fat check. I need to go prospect. Why? Because it makes me feel like I'm doing what I can with the time God's given me. So if I don't do these things, I just don't feel good. So, you know, I think if if you enjoy the game, it's not that difficult. But that doesn't mean, you know, I'm balancing like 30-something escrows right now. You know how many little calls there are to do? Yeah. You know how Details much I can gigantic. sit around and talk about the disclosures and talk about the yep. appraisal and, and make sure somebody wrote an AVID and oh. – you know, then the fun stuff, like, oh, did we get so-and-so, the closing gift, mm-hmm. what closing gift? Blah, 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 blah. I have to go out and do my thing. So um, that's where the magic A word, which is accountability. We get shot uh, by paint with paintball guns. People get tattoos. We had this really gnarly hot chip challenge last oh, week. My God, People have bro. pre-written checks. This week's game in particular we're all playing this prospecting game of a minimum of 125 doors plus everything else. Any person, including myself, who does not complete their 125 by Monday, don't show up. I told everybody, including myself, stay home and sit around asking yourself why you can't do the bare minimum. Stay home. Do not show up. Don't don't come to work next week. <laughs> Bro, I just want to talk about this for a minute longer because it's – even in, in any sales industry, mortgage, real estate, the work is the is that's the work. Prospecting yeah. is the work. Yeah. The S is details. Yeah. It's details. It really is. Right. Without the work, nothing else happens. Right. And we get caught up in the other stuff. Yes. Pipeline management. I love your talk. The details. Did yes. this happen? You get caught in that all day long, and then you turn around and go, "I had a productive work day, and you didn't, you didn't do, do anything. Anything. You didn't do anything. Anything. And you know what the thing is? The challenge with those things. So right now, I'm trying to let go of a few agents and hire three more admin. Right? Why? Sure. Details. So that they can be absolute Jedi's at their skill set, at their craft. That's right. The thing about a lot of those things are I can't control so many of the things that are going to occur in the no. bit. These things are out of my control. That's right. So I feel like the Jedi understands that he needs to do the things that are within his control. Yeah. You know, if somebody cancels escrow, they're going to cancel escrow. No matter how much you shared the comms with them, sure. No, no matter this is this is what they decided to do. Yeah. What can I control? I can control the next one. Yeah. I can control finding that next lead. Absolutely. I can control pricing the home right so that we get multiple offers and a bidding war occurs. But if the escrow falls apart, I didn't do anything to create yep. that. I just need to get that thing back into escrow. That's right. So I feel like um, the key is really doing the things that push the needle forward and make a difference and make an impact. It, it's, I, I wish everyone hears this over and over again, because it is the magic. Yeah. But it's hard to do, even though you, we enjoy doing it, even though we know that getting up at 5 a.m. and getting the gym is good for us. It's difficult to do. Yep. So that is where I love to live my life with these accountability games. Um, and I'll do crazy ones. Share a little bit about that. And the reason I want you to go a little deeper on these is number one, they're funny stories. Yeah. But <clears throat> number two, I think people suffer from account- lack of accountability. Especially in real estate. I, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you, you've gamified it a little bit. Give me, give me some of your favorite ones. 
Um, you set up goals for the week. Are they weekly? Yeah, so again, two two things. For me as an agent, there's two things where the magic happens. It's prospecting yeah. and it's getting up to bat. Yeah. So my ultimate dream is to go on like 40 appointments a week, right? Mm-hmm. Like, bam, you show up oh, and dude. it's just insane. Yeah, next one. You know, it's just back to back. That's 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 just like next level, right? Um, so when I'm not prospecting, the goal is to be getting up to bat. So this was two years ago, and this is when I was trying to get on um, um, 11 appointments. Okay. Right? I wanted to do, because I had done 10, and that was a struggle. So I'm like, let me go one more. I want to get on 11 appointments. So I was in a mastermind group with my friend um, Enrique, Rich, Isabel, and Mike. Okay. And I told these guys, I was like, hey, look, I'm going to do 11 seller appointments in a week. If I don't, I'll eat a ghost, uh, ghost pepper. Bro. Right? And so people vomit from no, ghost peppers. Yeah. Like it's so, not. So, so the week goes by and again, you want to have, I treat every single week. Like it's my whole life. Like this is the week. Like right now it's quarter or week three. This might be the end of it all. So that's what turns up the heat is like, I don't get into week long or month long or quarter long ruts. I might Keep have it here. an hour rut, Yeah, but I live my life like, this is it quarter four week three, you know? And so I play these games week by week. So back backtrack. Um, I did the 11 appointment Okay. and I'm on my mastermind call with these guys and, uh, they're like 11 seller, right? Well, I was like, no, I did nine seller oh, two, no. two buyer. Oh no. Big call. <laughs> they're like, you said 11. So we wrote it down. We have, we have it oh, documented. Fuck. So I call my buddy who owns this restaurant. I was like, hey, dude, where do I get a ghost pepper from? And he's like, for what? For what? No one needs that. He's like, he's like, uh, yeah, yeah. You don't want to do that. No, yeah. He sends me all these YouTube videos. Yeah. Oh, I've seen some. Dying. They die. Like, oh my God. I'm just like, I'm eating glass. (laughs) And uh, I get on the call with my team, with my squad. And these are just agents all over the country who I love, who I started this mastermind group with. And uh, I was like, you guys, we got a little. A little problem here like this isn't safe They're like well you said it you got to do it and so i'm like look watch these videos real quick they watch them they're like well you need to come up with something else <sighs> and i'm like well i'll eat a bite of cat food now i'll put it on ig lab nah coming up with other things i'll i don't know i'll put like Bro. three vanilla ice lines in my eyebrows nah that'll be fixed too soon i will get a tattoo of each of your initials and they were like Oh shit. So people are like, no. what is this? So no. Rich, Isabel, Mike, and Enrique. Right? So what are you willing to put on the line for your integrity? Yeah. What are you willing to put on the line of are you your word or not? Because without accountability, I'll tell you right now, I'm gonna be a slime ball. I'm gonna be a little weasel. Like I didn't naturally have crazy psycho discipline. God bless you if you did. Yeah. But the way I, no, that's not it. I had to develop this. I had to put these structures in place in order to be great. I'm not automatically great. I have to put these structures into place so that I can achieve greatness. And this is every single day. Yeah. You know what I mean? So um, get some people around you you know, that, that you can play these accountability games with. Um, I think that's one of the keys to really breaking through is, is think about what's going to push you forward. All right. What are you willing to put on the line? 
you know, what are you willing to do if if this doesn't happen? And play the game week after week. Bro, I, I you spent 47 minutes with me. Bam. That's big, bro. We're gonna we're gonna wrap it, but I wanna I wanna I wanna do this here. Um, we talked a ton about so much depth today. Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of comment do you want to leave somebody who's watching his thing at the end here about their business, about their mindset, <clears throat> hardship, about, about what they're experiencing? What do you want to, what do you want to share, dude? Um, first of all, be very cautious because you're on a platform most likely where we're sitting around comparing ourselves to other people. Absolutely, right? dude. People do so, that all along. So first things first. Be very aware of that comparison killer. Your life is unique. Nobody has your life. Nobody knows your story. Your journey, it, you are exactly where you're supposed to be, yeah. first and foremost. So, you know, you, you, you have no idea what somebody else might be dealing yeah. with, right? You look at Warren Buffett and all his, his money. You have no idea. You know, would he trade his life for yours? You know, when you think about where he's at in his stage and his age, do you think one of the wealthiest people on the planet might still trade their life just to be younger? Right. So think about that and make sure that as you set these goals, number one, I want to encourage you to go 10 times bigger than you ever thought was possible. Right. Why? Well, why not? Number (laughs) one, why not? Why not? Why not go big? I want to encourage you to think about in your in our industry of real estate and mortgage, what is the Oscar? What does the Grammy Grammy look like to you? Yeah. Paint a picture about that. And number two, um, you gotta love where you're at right now. Yeah. So I guess it's three things. Number one, don't compare yourself to anybody else. Seriously, number two, go ridiculously big with your goals. If your goals don't frighten you, if they don't scare you, you're playing too small. But number three. You got to love where you're at. You know, when my wife and I split up um, at the beginning of 2012, I was going through all these things. I was I, w- I was struggling. Yeah. Um, and I was totally broke. Yeah. Um, and my drinking was out of control. And and I just remember being alone in this crappy apartment in the beginning of 2012. And I had to get grateful with that. I had to get grateful with that. If you can't find a way to fall in love with where you're at right now and all the problems, all the challenges, all the fears you might have, whether you have the money, whether you don't have the money, where you're the whether you're the health level where you're at, whether your marriage is where it's at, whether it's not where it's at, the bottom line is is that you have to fall in love and appreciate where you're at right now. Yeah. In order to get to that next level. Yeah. You just have to. You have to love it for everything that it is and everything that it isn't. And if you can do that and you can get into a high level of gratitude for where you're at now, that is when you can say, well, let me add this to it too. And because your vibration is already in abundance, you can then bring that abundance to you also because lack attracts lack and abundance attracts abundance. So get into that abundant mindset, dream big, and watch what happens for your life. Bro, I know you have to get to a listing Let's appointment. Go. I know you have Let's to get to a listing go. appointment. So thank you very much, thank guys, you. for hanging out with us. We appreciate you. More modeling podcasts coming at you this week than you can handle, so be ready. Thank this guy. Kevin, you're the man. Thank Take care, God. buddy. Thank you. <laughs>